Welcome to Big Human. And I'm delighted to say today I have Ryan with us. And Ryan is a consultant, a facilitator, a coach, and a pioneer in something called open space technology. He also has a role on the board of uh, the Open Space Institute in the U.S., uh, so it is with great pleasure that I invite Ryan to the show. Welcome, Ryan. Thank you very much, Richard. I am so thrilled to be human here with you on this now, whenever this now is for whomever, whomever is watching. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so my history with open space technologies, I actually ran an unconference, which is you know, another way of describing an open space or I suppose a conference using open space technology in 2017. It was the most high energy event I, you know, I've ever been involved with. I'd learned about open space a few years before that, maybe 2000, 2014, 2015, and then got this opportunity to like, try it out on a larger scale. It, was, you know, it just blew my mind in terms of the power of this technology to bring a group together, to create energy, to, to, to generate ideas. And so it's, it's been part of my toolkit ever since. Um, but I know for you, you've, you've really made it sort of central to, you know, how you <laughs> operate and you're doing great work in bringing this, this technology to the world. Uh, so it's so exciting to have this opportunity to speak to somebody you know, right, right at the forefront of this movement and using it and, and hopefully sharing you know, how it works and, and the benefits to our listeners today. Mm. Oh, absolutely. I am, I'm thrilled to be here to share and, and. Pioneer is a very generous term there. I, I am here in the now with the practice again with the board, but we are standing on on the shoulders of of great human beings. Even before Harrison Owen, who discovered open space technology or put a name to that, it was his work was really a, a convergence of an acknowledgement of thousands of years of what it is to be human together in groups and to get to get stuff done you know the, it, and again I'll, I'll go right into the this the little bit of the frame really at its core open spaces is about sitting in a circle putting up a bulletin board where all the issues of the day are going to be discussed having a marketplace of ideas deciding who's going to go where what ideas move together and where are we going to talk about this and getting to work you know, so those, those four, four phases of an event, and there's certainly the law and the principles that we could talk about too, I could go into it, but, you know, this is not necessarily new stuff, but it is, it is, it is new to be connecting to that, that deep humanity of what it is to be in a circle with each other, not in pyramids looking down but in a circle looking at one another and being with each other that's you know at the core of it that just that jazzes me up so brilliant yeah uh yeah and i can't wait to get it get into what open space is in a bit more depth but for people who are not familiar with you i'd lo love for you to share a little bit of your your backstory you know perhaps wind it all the way back you know growing up you know where were your interests what ultimately brought you to you know what you're doing now and and you know mm. you, the, your work mm. well thank you for that invitation i the 
I don't know, there's there's a seven inch single version, there's an LP version, there's a double album, and then there's the the anthology. I'll I'll, I'll kind of go with <laughs> with the seven inch single version of it. That's for those of you who are from the final age as I am. Um, so I grew up in the Midwest, U.S., Indiana. I discovered jazz at a very young age, first grade, seven years old or so. I, I was taught to play trumpet in a group of folks at a very progressive elementary school and at the same time taught to improvise jazz. So this idea of leaping into the unknown and just creating music that you want to make in the moment, that was in me from the start. So I think that's a theme that will come forward and into to what's happening now. Mm. So I went to school for jazz. I at Bowling Green State University, Bowling Green, Ohio. That's my senior recital poster made by my dad, who's an art professor at Indiana State University, where I went to elementary school in there. And so I embraced the music, did jazz, was totally into that and and wanting to be you know, a professional musician. And then life happened. Love happened. Love happened. And and I met my wife, my my soon-to-be wife. And I took a turn away from being a professional music and pub professional musician in public into you know, bring that that spirit of music to to my inner self, and then giving mm -hmm. that love to to Debbie, and then our child Bay, who was born uh, in 1996. So this is early 90s, uh, and then I, as part of being an adult human in Western society, I I got a job in corporate and in IT in help desk of all places. You know where we you so, help desk is the best place to to start IT and it's the best place for a jazz musician because you're you're getting surprises all the time, you're solving problems in the moment. You got to show empathy. You got to have patience. You know, so all these little skills that were they were showing up. They were a natural progression. You know, so I I navigated through the the Byzantine hierarchy of organizations. Ended up with IBM. And so I had this, this arc of a career with IBM through 20 years, effectively. And around, you know, 2015 or so, towards the end of my time with IBM, I discovered two things. Now three, I discovered agile software development, which it, at the time, it just blew my mind that that work did not have to be done in, in the software world, which is where I was did not have to be done in this coercive, planned, managed, controlled, um, dictatorial, authoritarian way, whatever you want to say, um, that, that work didn't have to be done that way. And that there was, a, there was a body of work and thought that were all about, that were closer to the music for me, to that, that spirit of... Right. Yeah, of, of ensemble and being together, not not this kind of directive stuff. So so Agile came into my life as a result. And because of that, I decided to to get a you know, Scrum certificate you know, at that time. Which is, for I those who are not familiar, just explain what Scrum is. Right? Oh, uh, Scrum's a, a method of uh, a developing software. It, it's kind of, it's a, like a game format. You know, you've got a couple roles, rules. Uh, artifacts and events 
that control the way you would develop software iteratively and adaptively as opposed to plan, analyze, design, develop, te- you know, that, that phased gated way of doing software or projects. But Scrum is about developing software iteratively and adaptively at, at a high level. If, if you know Scrum, you, you can come at me otherwise, you know, when you hear this, but um, so I had discovered this way of developing software in Scrum and, and a role in that, like a facilitator role. So it was very close to being with people, not directing them. So I found Agile Software Development Scrum. The trainer, my trainer, he sponsors an open space every uh, twice a year. And so I get my first taste of open space then. So this is... Um, I, I go to an open space, not really knowing what to expect. And it's okay. We're in this room with paper all over the wall. So these paper, these principles all over the wall. And they're talking about bumblebees and butterflies. And, you know, whatever happens is the only thing that could have happened. You know, this kind of interesting, okay, what is this? It was not like your standard cubicle farm that I was in in corporate at the time. So I go into this room, we sit in a circle, a facilitator comes to the center of the circle and welcomes us after the sponsor welcomes. And he gives us a very, very light structure of what's going to happen in the day. You know, so we open the circle at nine. Here's the facilitator comes in. Okay. We are, here's the rules of the game. You know, we're going to, going to sit in a circle and we are going to put up a bulletin board. How are we going to do that? We're going to go to the circle, go to the center of the circle, pick up a piece of paper and a marker, tell everyone what you're passionate for and responsible for, what you want to do, what you want to be in the room. Then you're going to go put that on the wall and you're going to go sit down. going to wait for whoever wants to do that next. And next and next. Wait, so you mean we don't have an agenda for this day? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what, 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 how are we going to know what's going on? When? Well, you know, this is this idea of self-organization, that the, the group is deciding what is what has passion and meaning for them. They're going to stand up for what they love and talk about. And I started to get it. And I, and I, was, I was really excited. I was like, oh, I have to see this topic, that topic, the other topic. Oh, I want to talk about this. Great. Um, and so after, after we go through the principles, you know, and so the facilitator gives us the principles. Okay, so I'll, I'll start there too. So there are five principles, one law in open space technology. Okay, so this is, this is the meeting I'm at here. Whoever comes is the right people. So when you call a session, whoever shows up to your session, those are the right people. If it's just you, you are the right people. Just you. <laughs> and, that, and that's cool. Whoever comes is the right people. Whatever happens is the only thing that could have happened. Could be massive conflict. Could be people just, just listening to you in silence. It could be you listening to yourself in silence. You know, Whatever happens is the only thing that could have happened. Whenever it starts is the right time. So either you get in there, you want to start talking, blah, 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 blah. You go, 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 go. That's great. 
you wait for a while, whoever comes, great, we'll start then. Whenever it starts at the right time, this loosening of the time constraint, like, oh, you don't have to be at this meeting at this time exactly, you go, no. When it's over, it's over. So if you're done talking about what you were going to talk about, you got your passion out there and, you know, 10 minutes or something. Okay, we're, we're done. It's not like you have to sit in a meeting or sit in a conference session and, and just blow off time. No. So whoever comes is the right people. Whatever happens is the only thing that could have happened. Whenever it starts is the right time. Whenever it's over, it's over. Wherever it happens is the right place. You know, it could happen in the hallway, in, in the room. It could happen in anywhere on the site. If you are at an open space event, open space technology event, that's cool. Right? So those are the principles. And there's one law. Originally, it was called the law of two feet. It has come to be known as the law of mobility or the law of two clicks. However you, however you want to say that to be inclusive about it. And what that means, the law of two feet originally was that if you feel that you are neither giving value or receiving value, it is your responsibility, the law, it is your responsibility to get up and go somewhere else where you are giving or receiving, where you are, are being a, an agent of value, you know? And so this, this frame was just, it was liberating. It was this, this word that I, I love so much that came to, it was shared with me by a dear friend, Mariah Kila in Germany. She's open space, open space, um, amazing person um, in this domain. And it's liberation of the human spirit. You know, it's, mm. it's, you know, it, it is just this, oh my God, I can do this. And, and it's okay. No one's going to, going to punish me. For, for for whatever I say here, that again, that's that's a very important part, and it's passion and responsibility coming together. You know, if you're passionate about it and you want to take responsibility for it, this is the place to do it. Um, there's also if there isn't an issue that you're passionate about, don't have an open space, don't do it, because open space only works. Really, I mean, as again from the practice, only works when you have a, a real issue that that people are passionate about. You know, a real issue that has a deadline of yesterday, has massive potential for conflict, a wide diversity of opinions, a high degree, a high degree of complexity. You know, if you don't have all of those things, why have an open space? Why why create that space for people to self-organize. If there's no passion, no one's going to go to the center of the circle. People are going to be afraid. And there's just, there's no energy there. But I'm curious to hear what your, what your experience was, Richard, about why that was so energizing for you in the unconference. Because it's, I mean, and I, I just have to sometimes just, keep myself held down because I'm so excited <laughs> about being in, in that place where it's, there's freedom. You know? Yeah. It's interesting. So, it, so there's those five principles. It sounds like there's another principle, something like, and there's a compelling purpose to have the open space or something like that. Right. Well, yeah, there's, 
they're, they're preconditions, you know? Okay. And, and that's an interesting thing. Open space technology, it's, you, can, you would be doing it a disservice if all you did was just, hey, we're, we're going to hold a big meeting uh, about something, and here you go wherever you want, whenever you want, and it could be just, just flaccid. You know, just, mm. uh, but it, but if there, there's some, some specific examples from the early days of the practice back, back in 1996, for example, this is one of the classic examples of Harrison Owen who discovered this practice, um, did is that in 1996, uh, AT&T was responsible was got the bid to create the Olympic pavilion in Atlanta. Right. And they had a specific place. They'd taken months and months and months to plan for this pavilion to be built in one area of, of the site, which I, I forget the name of the site, but, and maybe then, so they'd been planning for like 10 months and they had this plan all together and the, to put it in one site. And then the sponsors uh, of, you know, the Olympic committee, or whatever, they come to the, the directors, the, the AT&T folks and say, well, you know, what if we moved the pavilion from this place over here that was built for, you know, seven, 8,000 people over here to where we can have 80,000 people, you know? And this is like, oh, okay. Uh, this is, you know, you realize this is six months before the Olympic Games and we, and we had 10 months to plan this thing over here. And what are you going to do if your name is AT&T and it's all over, you know, this, you're going to say, yes, what, what do you do? And talk about, talk about a real business issue with of deadline of yesterday, high complexity, tons of opinions that are diverse. And potential for conflict. I mean, that was that was the perfect place for an open. There was like, so Harrison Owen comes into this, and he basically they they open a space for all these people to to create a plan to to do this new pavilion that was ended up being better than this this plan that they had for twelve months. They did it in I don't know, and of course the open space event. In two days, in two yeah. days, they had this plan. So, as my experience of open space, it's 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 a radically faster progress, right? Radically fast progress on whatever your issue. Yeah, mm. and it's, it is so hopeful <laughs> to me to to be to, to sing that song of you, know, you. If you really have this kind of conflict to can release and share the authority of of problem solving decision making with the people who are closest to a problem and and allow authorize those people to have the freedom and uh, freedom from punishment for saying something you know orthogonal to to the organizational goal or whatever in the pursuit of solving a problem because the people who are in the project in the work have the knowledge, you know, and 
if you if you unlock that, I mean, we hear so much from, from whether thought leadership or, or here and there on LinkedIn or that you know the people closest to the problem have the knowledge, and then well, well then what's what's the problem <laughs> with, with with relaxing some control and showing trust, not just talking about trust, but in an open space, you as a sponsor, leader, manager, executive, you have to let go. And for people who have, who have been educated, who have attained a great deal of success and status and, you know, wealth and, and good, good stuff in their life to, through this, this sense of control, which is part of well-being to release that that's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. So for people just trying to get their head around how this works, whether you use the Atlanta example or your first experience of open space, as you said, with your, your mentor in Scrum, like mm-hmm. just, just how does it play out? Like, so you've talked about the principles, you've talked about this law, mm-hmm. just like step yeah. people through how a session plays out. So at the, the, the tactics of it, again, it's very simple. You know, you have, let's say, you could do it in one large room, maybe a gymnasium if you wanted. You know, um, the setup is you have a large group of circle, concentric circles. One circle would be would be best just to have everyone you know at the same level, eye level. Um, so you have the room, the concentric circles. You have on the wall on one of the walls you would have what's called a, a bulletin board some people just call that the marketplace that's that's where you have some people have a grid where you say oh we're going to have three four sessions today at you know 9 12 to whatever however many are 9 10 11 12 and we have four rooms okay so that's the marketplace and then she got the circle you got the the bolt and board over on, on one wall. Everyone's sitting around a circle. The sponsor comes in, says, here's why we're here. Here's the challenge we're facing. Here's the story we want to write today. You know, this is in the morning circle, the opening. The facilitator comes in and, and says, here are, here are the principles. Here's the law. Here's how to come to the center of the circle and pick up a piece of paper, write something on it, state your topic, go put it on the wall over there and sit back down and let that repeat for as long as it needs to repeat with people who are sitting at the circle who care about something and want to take responsibility for it. They would walk to the center of the circle and you know, write it down, pick up a mic, usually if it's a big room and say what that is. And yeah, again, that, that repeats until you got a whole bunch of stuff on the wall that, hmm, there's a lot of interesting things there. And then the facilitator at the end of that process of the opening says, well, okay, the authority is now yours <laughs> and it, that you, it's, you are invited to go to the wall, to the marketplace, to, to combine sessions, to decide where you're going to go. And, and then it, it flows from there. And there's and, usually, uh, from my experience of it, there's usually like a facilitator or a leader each of each of those 
sessions, right? That's oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. That, that's, that's the thing. So good, good point. So when you're, when you are a, it's called being a convener, right? So everyone's yep. a participant and the conveners, you know, you're going to the center of the circle. There's something to be said about this. It's oftentimes in open space. I know I'm curious to hear again about your experience. Sometimes you'll sit there for a minute. Two minutes, maybe longer. The facilitator is at that point. It's silence, you know, that that it is the, sometimes the facilitator will walk out of the room at that point and oh, just wow. go take a nap. <laughs> and it, <laughs> yeah. to do that. <laughs> well, Harrison, Harrison, Harrison's got the he's got the conies to do that for, for sure. And. But that is so you are taking responsibility to to hold the session to that you are going to hold that space and you're responsible for harvesting uh, an action or artifact from that space. So that that's another thing we can come back to is that how that that allows organizational performance to uh, why that that little piece is important to have proceedings from the conference. You know, you have this day, have all these sessions that we've called on the wall and taken responsibility. You've gone, you've held the session. You come back out with what the results from that session are. That's the course of the day. And at the end of the day, you have a closing circle where you go around the circle. Whoever wants to talk and, and say what they've appreciated, and they would do that. You know, that's can be called an evening news in a multi-day open space or just the closing circle if it's a one-day open space. And then, at, so at the end of the day, what you end up with is a set of proceedings immediately at the conference. So you have all of the sessions. If, if the folks who have taken responsibility for what they wish to accomplish and what they have passion for, they'll have plans they'll have intents they'll have they'll have real stuff that they can do the real work with at the end of the day after the day so at its core that's that's what it's about uh, there's there's some the rules there are rules so in a game any good game you got a goal you got rules you got a way of tracking progress and you got invitation opt-in participation so this is game theoretics of it and the roles are, you know, you've got your sponsor who's created the space, who's paid for the room, who's, you know, executive, whatever, everyone that respects the authority of the sponsor. Then you've got the facilitator who gets past the torch of responsibility to, to create the, the conditions. Here are the rules of the game, says the facilitator. And then you have all the participants that, okay, now participants, it's up to you that authority passing to everyone there and the participant roles. There are a couple roles that I think are interesting that, that if you go to an open space, you'll hear about butterflies and bumblebees. Okay. So what, what that means is that if you are a participant, you're not required to do anything. You don't have to, you could be a butterfly. You could just be sitting in a chair outside all the sessions, not go to any session at all, but just be there. and. Take it in and be a beautiful butterfly. You know, and that's kind of where that comes from. Or you can, like me, you can be a bumblebee. You can go session to session to session to session and go here, 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 and use your 
your ways of mobility to go from place to place to place and receive value from everywhere and do cross-pollination like bumblebees do. And, and as open space, as the practice has evolved, there are other roles that come here too. Again, this is, I'll, I'll give another shout out to Mariah, is that this idea of the, butter, the, um, the mother bear. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the mama bear, mama bear is going to stay in that space because she, she wants to protect that idea as much as she can, you know, and, and you'll see, and you'll see, and that's important too, because you, you, you want to have someone who's, if you got fire for it, you're going to stay there and, and, and guard that fire, right. And show your passion. So, yeah. Uh, and then you've got the, the, and the convener, right? So that's the person who who sort of takes charge of that session happening, you know, that, that sort of huddle actually, you know. Yeah. And, and yeah. And the, the take, take charge in terms of take responsibility for that the session happens. Right. Yeah. So, so they they go there. And some people, uh, because of how you're trained, that does mean taking charge to them. Right. <laughs> There's an interesting piece of that. So if someone, there's something in open space we call space invader. Right. Mm. So you have someone who calls a session and they go hold court right in, in this room. I'm talking about this, that, you know, what do you think about that? Oh, no, no, no. What do you think? About no, 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 no. That, that's, it's that typical behavior of sage on the stage kind of stuff. Mm. And a facilitator uh, and one of my, again, mentors in this, Daniel Mezek, who taught me open space brilliant guy and kind of a foundational part of my practice going forward daniel um <laughs> in one of his open spaces there was a guy doing that he was he was invading the space and so daniel as a facilitator walks in the back of the room he's like just standing there just just looking at looking at the guy and so the guy on the stage is kind of wondering what's daniel talking about and then okay, Daniel exits, you know, like, okay. And he comes back with the sponsor. And so Daniel's here. The sponsor's here. They're just kind of kind of just hanging there. Not not doing anything, but this is it, it's a message. You know, it's a signal of, you know, you're you're chewing up the space. You're closing the space. This is not opening the space. You are closing the space for these people, but they, but they didn't say it. You know, they didn't have mm. to. And that's that's that that dance of how do you use your authority ethically and responsibly to to make sure that to ensure, I guess, in you know, however you can that that everyone who is there who cared to show up to that session. And who are passionate about that topic and wanted to be there, they have a voice. And if they want to use it, they don't have to. No one's got to use it. They can just check out. But if if you are there, you you deserve that respect to the respect of your human dignity, and that is a it's a violation of that. I think for for someone to 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 invite you in and then say no. No, you can't. No, you can't talk. This is my show. Right. Yeah, and I've experienced that. And maybe I, I myself have even sometimes looked into this, but you, you play the role of facilitator, but 
yeah, yeah. you and so you're there oh and i'm trying to invite contributions but there's a part of you who wants to dominate that group and and so that must be the art part of the art of the facilitator of the whole event is spotting when that is in service of opening space and inviting contribution or has it yeah. gone too far into being a space invader as you say there, there is in in the the manual it's such as it is there is a book uh called the open space user's guide and user's guide yeah the open space user's guide um ah oh yes open space really blurred out of the camera ah uh, well and in that book he sir harrison says about facilitator it is your job to be completely present and totally invisible mm -hmm. and so in my first facilitation event as so i i i took this thing to the nth degree right so i i read the book i you know i got st studied with daniel one of the guys who wrote a, a several books with Daniel, a guy named Mark Sheffield, another one of my influences, just great. He, I, I called him and Mark and I talked. He mentored me in this process before, you know, can we need about what it is to facilitate open space. And I met him at six o'clock in the morning on the day of facilitated. And, um, I showed up the night before and, and put everything on the wall, made sure the room was right and just. I was with the space. I was present to the space. And then the next day I show up and <laughs> I walk around the building of, and then five minutes before the opening, I show up, <laughs> you know, five minutes before the opening, after walking around in the building, go in and do the opening. And at the point where the marketplace is going to be created, you know, I, I kind of, step out and then i go walk around the building again for another half hour 45 minutes maybe just take it take in the air of of the place and 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 to, to trust that whatever happens is the only thing that could have happened and then people will take responsibility for what they love and so yeah that was being that was a totally head turning experience as a facilitator because typically what do i what, as a facilitator what am i supposed to do i'm supposed to care for this interaction and, and make sure it's easy for folks and, and and you know and there's some methods of facilitation that are is beautifully handled i mean that that's not to, to knock on that kind of facilitation because it is what is needed but in an open space event if let's say you have 800 a thousand, two thousand people in an event like this because open space can scale nearly infinitely. Yeah, I think I did one for two hundred as my my max. Or I was a well, I played a role in a two hundred person event. Yeah, yeah. So so you can't you can't be you know a, a, an orchestra conductor for that for that kind of thing. Yeah, you, know, you can't be. Um, yeah. So being completely present, totally invisible. That's your role. It is the rules of the game. And I trust you to play it. And you took that literally. <laughs> oh, I took that literally. Yes. I, <laughs> and yeah, so I, I did, I, I, I did, yeah. I did not intervene once during the day. 
Mm. Uh, I and also in the book, if you'll notice, they says go around picking up coffee cups. I literally did that. Right. I went around picking coffee cups from the rooms, and you know, and yeah. So the, my first two experiences in open space: one as a participant, just get my mind blown, and there's a. And my first session was uh, was kind of out there, and it was I sat. So you go to an open space. I called my session about vulnerability. I went to the room, and I laid on the floor silent <laughs> and then i waited for people to come and one person came they looked at me like oh my god what who what are you doing two people came looking at me at the floor and i'm i'm just hanging there like and and then eventually i say well how do you think i feel right now you thought you staring at me and how do you feel how uncomfortable is that let's why, why let's explore that that's what it feels like to be vulnerable and, and to be with vulnerability and it was such a wonderful conversation that happened after that you know so that was my that was my entry into like oh okay i i love this it's the freedom to be creative and then then i had that really that magical experience on at, at six months later in the to facilitate it was like it was over for me i fell in love Mm, mm. And imagine I'm the hard-headed executive, and I and I'm like, Ryan, yeah, this this just sounds like a load of group therapy. And if we're going to have a meeting on this issue that I want, you know, to talk about, there is A, B, and C. I want to have, you know, I want us to talk about. And mm. there's a risk with your plan here that we just don't get to talk about it, and I'm not comfortable with that. What's your response to the skeptic, you know, who take that approach mm. or that position? Depends on context, but the, the first thing that comes to mind is that, well, why am I here again? Why, why, what is this problem you're having and how has that approach been working for you so far? And if it hasn't, why do you think it hasn't been? What, what, what is the missing part of that? You know? And how do you, what, what do you think would be the most ideal way to trust the people you care for and that who have entrusted you with the care of their career and their working life? Wouldn't, imagine if you invited them to to share what they care about without fear of sanction and that you show them that you trust them, that you trust them to say sometimes uncomfortable things and in the pursuit of what really is going on. Maybe, maybe in your mind, in the one person who sees the world in this way, A, B, and C need to happen in order for D to happen so that C can happen, so D can happen, so blah, 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 blah. But you're one person, right? Do you know everything? Can you say for sure that you can predict the future based on that ABC? I don't think you can. I know you can't. So how do you get to that sense of, of I wouldn't say hubris, but how do you get to that sense of trust that, you, that the people you are with and you care for and who care for you and trust you, 
that you share that trust. And what better way than to show them and that it's, it's okay. It's okay. And I'm with you. I am with you through this. And you create that. It's like being human, right? Yeah. You, you create that human relationship and that that's what is so missing that, that the, again, one of the people who I just came into contact recently, um, it's about, it's moving from protection to connection. A guy named uh, Zell Nelson, Maureen McCarthy, who have this practice that they, they are, they live open space. Right. And so that, that, that's living in open space. Um, be a fantastic guest, by the way. Um, say his name again or her name. What was it? Zell, Zell Nelson, Z E L L E Nelson. Is that uh, a, they, is, is, is Zell male or female? Zell is male and his wife, Marine, uh, his wife, Marine part partnership that there's a story around how they came to converge together in life. Beautiful. That this idea of collaborative awareness in that. And that there's a sense of, oh, I'm, I'm protecting something here. So what do we, do we need more protection in this world? I, th I think, and this is just, this is me, maybe call me a weirdo, call me a lotus eater or whatever. We need more connection. Right. And, and this unconditional respect for the human dignity of the other, of, of all of us. And that's the only way we're going to move forward as a you know as carbon hydrogen and oxygen configured in this mystical way that it has been configured you know so so what would i say to the exec how's that how's that been working for you can you predict the future and do you trust your people yeah and i like that question you're throwing with like how would you demonstrate that you trust them yeah, yeah, yeah. That to to get people into that inquiry, I think, it, yeah, it's a powerful way to set up selling this approach. Yeah, and selling the approach—that's interesting. Well, Harrison, you know, Harrison's got the says you can't sell open space. Okay, you can't. You can't sell. People have to to need it. You know, you have to be right. in 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 the crapper so deep. <laughs> <laughs> that, that stuff, you know. So if you're sitting in the pyramid and you're going, "Oh my God, I can't believe all this is happening. What do we do?" Ah! And like, it's, stuff is going sideways. You know, that's the time when open spaces can work magic, because then you show, as an executive, what what more what is scarier than showing your vulnerability. That you don't have all the answers, right? Yeah. So, 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 po folks who who are scared and know they don't have any answers, they will run. <laughs> they they will run for open space when they they they, they understand that. I I think been yeah. my experience at least. Yeah. Um. Just as we're talking about this this shift from protection. The connection I love, and there's almost like a, that. Almost feels like an energetic metaphor as well. Like we're we're protected, we're kind of hunched down, we're, we're sort of closing in the energy a little bit, and, and trying to control the energy. Connection, I'm I'm opening up to other people's energy. You know, expression of my own energy, and and that perhaps 
you know, evokes what happens in these spaces is, and, and, the, and my experience of them is, you know, I haven't run an apex space ever which hasn't felt high energy. It just hasn't happened yet. Maybe it's possible to have a low energy open space. I've not experienced it. And yet probably 50% of the regular meetings I'm in, I would describe at least 50% are low energy, right? So. Yeah. And, and it's, it's this sense of you are required to be here. This is not optional. You know, yeah. even, even Outlook, right? You look at Outlook. It's required attendance. You know, it is, and that's just this, it, you, you internalize that message. I'm required to be here. What, what happens if I opt out? Oof. Oh, I don't know. You know, it, <laughs> what if all of your meetings where everyone was optional? Which. You now, yeah. if you try it, you know, the people will look at you for the first five, 10 times. Like you have three heads, of course. But, yeah. but it's a, it's an experiment to try and, and just to test to see how, you know, whether how much authority you have or how much trust you have or how much people care about what you're, the project you're trying to, to make happen in the world. Yeah. 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 Uh, and and it, that, well, that goes back to the theme you mentioned about control. You know, imagine the yeah. front someone's sense of control if well hang on i know i need this person you know we're talking about finances i my cfo is required to be at this meeting right yeah well in this in control is, is very it's it's a well, it's a nuanced topic because for, so this sense of what contributes to your sense of human well-being right so there's as I've learned again, I'll, I'll bring Daniel's name into it. I heard about this from Daniel Messick is that there are three pieces. There's control, a sense of control, a sense of progress, and a sense of belonging to you. You mix those together in the sense of well-being. Well, so, wow. If I, if what happens, if I'm, if I release that control, what's going to happen? You know, how do we make progress if I have no control? Uh, and, you know, what, what are we doing? You know, and I, I think the, the this part of this comes in, in why, why, why am I interested in open space? And it's also why I kind of connected to the, to the beta codex in this way is that there is a sense of, Self, self organizing teams and autonomy and all this kind of stuff that gets blah, 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 and talked about. And, but, and, and the criticism I, I have seen, I'm sure you've seen it too, is that, well, it's just people going around doing whatever they want and calling it self organization, right? It's, it's just an excuse not to do work, you know? And, and if if you take if you don't take it seriously, that's true, I, I think. And that and that's maybe some people do. And there's psychology around what what you believe about human nature. But if you think about it, really, if you take responsibility and you show self control and care for a small group of people, you know, like again, this in Beta Codex, these are what we call these small well, cells. Just, just what so, is Beta Codex for people who are not familiar with Beta? Oh my gosh, how much time do we have? Um, so it's the set of twelve principles that uh, that Im 
enable a decentralized organization, an organization that is instead of being command and control silos and dictated in terms of its steering, instead of steered from the top, it's an organization that's steered from the outside. It's instead of pyramidal, it's spherical, you know, where you have this compliance authority in the middle, like, oh, we have to have financial compliance with our, our legal, you know, our uh, whatever nation state kind of law. So there's compliance need, and then there's, there's a market need, right? So this is a flipping in the organization that that's what the beta codex allows. And the self-organization is a huge part of that. It's the first principle. It's about connectedness with purpose and being in close consequence and harmony with each other in small teams that take responsibility and show self-control. This is where the control comes in. If you have control and respect, we control together. You know, right. We don't need, con- if that control is like so far away and trying to control, I'm trying to, to like this, this line, you know, imagine this line, like trying to leash you, you know, but how much more strength is there in a bond together, you know, small groups bonded together and the groups bonded together. I mean, that's just, I mean, it's, that's the physics of strength. Right. You know? So, so that, that again, that leads into another topic, but control self-organization is can be so much more controlled and and unleashing possibility than than top-down control so yeah because it reminds me of that phrase you know autonomy without accountability is just a vacation (laughs) right but if you've got autonomy and self-accountability then then you're not in a vocation. You've actually got a high degree of control, and 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 that manifold, as you say, the physics of that across an or across an entire structure is going to be a you know highly controlled, well regulated you know, organization. Yeah, self regulation. I mean, this is a principle of I think permaculture, right? Right. It's, it's a, a universal agricultural principle that that self regulation. And yeah. Um, and, and open space is just the ideal way of if you would, this is part of the, I think what, what really gets me excited too about, well, a criticism of open space is like, oh, this feels fantastic in the day. We have this wonderful day and there's such energy. And then, then it dissipates for many people, right? What really happened? Do anything actually happen because of this excitement? You know, and Again, I, I don't know about your experience there, but I, I, some of these open spaces that I've been in, they don't really have a compelling enough theme to take artifacts forward and proceedings to say, we're going to do this, that, and the other. But there are ways, you know, open space agility is, is one, say, if you wanted to bring agile mm-hmm. practices to a place to do an invitation cycle where you, you prepare the sponsors and have that conversation like we were talking about, about how do you how do you learn to suspend your disbelief and open the space for creative storytelling in, in a group fashion? You know, so you have a forty five days of this tilling of the soil, and then the we're going to do agile. Agile means this. Kanban means this. All, all these methods. These are what these methods mean, or these are the principles of the Beta Codex, or what have you. And you till the soil. You have an open space, a, a, a day where people. It's like, oh, I love this. So this is how we're going to do work in this way. 
And then you have a period of ex experimentation where the proceedings from that day are used as a basis for experimentation over 60, 90 days. Then you come back to open space at the end for two days and you say, here's what happened. Here's, here's how we, here's, here was the trajectory we're on now, or here's, here's what worked. Here's what didn't, here's how we might change going forward. And then you have a day two where that you, you bring that into a second set of proceedings that go on. The coaches check out for 30 days after to allow a burn in of that cycle. You have the imitation, open space, experimentation, open space, burn in. And then, and, and you have this rhythm, this organizational rhythm where you, it's like breath, you know, you, you, mm, you know, and open the space, take it in and experiment out, you know, it, it's simple language. Some people might say it's, I don't care what people say about it. I think it's, it's powerful language. It's music. It's harmony. It is this this loving spirit of musical, this musical organization, you know, that we are singing a song using open space and we are singing a song, making the music we chose to make, making the music only these people are capable of making. We're singing it to the marketplace and we are in harmony with it. They are dancing with us. We are sharing with them and it is, it is transcendent beauty. Yeah, I, I, there's no better work to be doing. You know, you as as far as I'm concerned, that's why I'm so excited about it. That's why I love it so much. Yeah, yeah. No, that, but I think tilling the soil is a powerful metaphor there, because yes, my experience of of it not going so well with open space is you generate a ton of great ideas. People are in the in the session find the strength to become self accountable and saying, right, I'm going to take this on. I'm yeah. going to go do this in you know my in my work. This is what I'm going to take forward. And then you check in with them a couple of weeks said, oh, well, you know, my boss said I need to focus on this. If I get the time and yeah, it's kind of not happened. And, and, and the soil, you know, the receiving organization wasn't really ready to receive the gifts of that open space. Uh, and, and people couldn't take that self-accountability that they'd found for themselves mm -hmm. in the session into their, into their daily, you know, work life. And the, the structures weren't there to see it through. Yeah. I, and it's like, if you tilled the soil, you, you really cared for it. You know, you had this great plot of land that you, and then you, you planted these wonderful seeds on that open space, you get water and sun, you know, and then, then the first day of gardening, you know, it's great. And then the second day, you know, the farmer comes in, grow, grow seed, grow now. And, and I'm not going to give you any yeah, you know, the water. No, 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 no. Water's being used over there, right? Yeah. No, sun. No, you don't get sun. You know, it's no. We're there. So grow, grow. Oh, you're not going to grow. I'm going to pick you up out of the ground and throw you away. You know, that's not how farming works. How would you think that living human beings would would behave when they when they have the that life spirit taken from them? Mm. And it's it's crushed out. You know. When we take air away from human beings, right? Mm. You die. You you can't breathe. You can't live without breathing for very long, you know. And and that's what that's when you close the space. You're choking out the you know, the, the breath of the organization. You want that to breathe. You know, breath is health. Breath is life. And and yeah. So 
Yeah. And that's, I guess, response. You're, you're speaking very, and that's like, that's one of the, and it's a, it's a pain with open space, right? It's, it's, oh my gosh. Did the sponsor really care? Did they really trust you? Did they really trust you enough to do this? Because it, because again, if they come back and say, well, no, no, you, you, you can't do what you said you were, what, I gave you permission to do this, but you can't do it. You know, so, okay, flower, you're not growing two days. Goodbye. Yeah. And I think advice press is, it's not that the sponsor doesn't have passion for these people going forth and it's the, it's that squeeze. It's, it's the middle management often. Right. And, and, and it's not to like personalize it to individuals in that layer, but just yeah. the, the roles that they end up having to play. And, you know, I find that they're the ones who just don't have the resources to water and, you know, those seeds. Uh, no, but it's not the sponsors necessarily because the sponsors put money and investment into the open space. So they wouldn't do that if they didn't have some expectation of success out of it. So it's, it, it, yeah. It's, so that, why does that happen? I mean, that, that's the, that's this magic key. And, and again, it's not about the people. It's, it's not, I mean, we are all, this is Douglas McGregor, theory, theory X and theory Y, you know, theory X is the carrot. People only do what you want if you carrot and stick them. The theory why is that people are intrinsically motivated and managers uh, and people are, are in that role in the company that it's not this sense of evil that they, who well, you knows, there are evil people in the world, but not trying to coerce. It, but why do you think that that happens? Because they're getting some, some stress, right? There's it's fear. And what are you afraid of? Your fear of losing status? your fear of losing affiliation you know these are the core things i mean oh my gosh i'm gonna get ridiculed if if i don't if i don't produce what this person says i need to produce i'm gonna get ridiculed i'm gonna lose status i'm gonna be disaffiliated i will no longer have a sense of belonging um i will be halted in my progress and i will be have my control taken away no well-being right so why would mm -hmm. i not be afraid of that so people aren't afraid of, of change. Change is not hard. I mean, and what's hard is driving out the fear. And that, and that's, and that's the, this mystical thing, you know? So if, and, and why, why do the people in the messy middle, why are they afraid? Well, because the people higher up are afraid. Yeah. And there's, there's fear from all, from, from the board to the CEO all the way down. And I think yeah. and if you, and if you have an enlightened or, or a, a, a humane person in top management, and there are folks elsewhere in the organization who are, who have a fear, a, a system that, that instills fear with them. You know, you have to hit the targets. If you don't hit the targets, you're out, you know, Jack Welch, you know? Um, so, yeah, how do we get the fear out? How do we bring love in? How how do we how do we how do we drive out the fear with more love? Yeah, no, that's a great. That's a central question of this whole podcast. I mean, pretty much, pretty much, pretty much every 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 episode of this podcast is kind of asking <laughs> that question. Yeah, yeah, <sighs> hmm. yeah, and uh, yeah, I, I think. Uh, Open spaces is one answer, right? And it, it, it's part yeah. 
part of an answer to that question. Um, I, the other thing that comes to mind as we talk is I had a, one of the executives from Twitter on the show, and he, he was saying that they had great success with open space, or, well, they call them hackathons, very similar set of principles. Mm. But they're, they're, they had, they, and, and very often their top features would emanate from these hackathons, right? These, you know, these high participation, open space-like events. And, uh, but but they, they had a whole structure around it where you know, the winners of these days, right, the best ideas from these sessions would secure resources right there and then at the end of the session, there would be like a green light, okay, go, go work on these ideas. And so they, there was a structure for the mm. idea to get water and, and to get fed you know, post yeah. the event and, and hence these, these regular open space style events became mm. part of the lifeblood of, you know, the innovative you know, culture in, the, in, in Twitter in, in that time. Mm. I don't know if they still run them. Mm. That, it's interesting that it, there's still a competition there, you know, and right. that's, that, that's, again, that's, that's the game. If, and that, if, that, if that game, if the people who are involved in the game, right, are yeah. opted into the game, how do you fault that, right? And, and if, if it's an open invitation to, to be in that hackathon, do what you like, create to your heart's content, and you know you will reap the rewards. Um, you know, who am I to say? Who am I to say that's that's wrong? Yeah, you know, if if it produces a value for people who care, you know, I, I think there's there's another discussion about extrinsic rewards and 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 receiving uh give me some reward please give me some reward i want reward um but no i mean humans are funny humans are delicate beautiful wonderful mysterious creatures and and each one of us has the the light of the stars of the universe in our eyes you know as and that's you know we and, and as long as we, we show respect for that, that mystery and that dignity, hey, man, um, we're, we'll be an ensemble together you know, in this. You know, we're, we're all, we are all in this together. Yeah. And I can see how you might have a, you know, a, a position on that, right, where, where it's still, okay, it's great. You've unleashed a lot of energy. You've, you've. You've gone to the people closest to the problems to get the answers, mm -hmm. and you bubbled up all these ideas. Yeah, and I could see how then making it a competition. And well, no, you explain to me then why why is having a competitive element antithetical to some of the things you're talking about? Well, um, is there competition in music? Right, some kinds, I guess. I mean, there's. I think there's there's a difference between internal competition, individual competition, right, and the sense of individual competition, ranking and individual rewards and individual performance. Because really, individual performance doesn't exist. Really, all, that performance really only happens in in a team, in a group. You know, so to reward performance individually is in itself um disrespectful of of all the people in the system who are involved 
So Are you talking about I, only in work, right? Because I mean, a running race well, is an. In- well, well, it's, uh, yeah. Well, well a, a, a sporting is different, right? Mm-hmm. So there's, there's, but are you competing? Well, are the do the best teams? Do they have internal competition within their team, or they're competing against one another as mm-hmm. teams? And yeah, I mean, the sporting metaphor is very interesting, obviously. But any sport you're talking about, if it is, you're opting in, right? You got a goal, you got rules and roles. Got a way of tr- keeping score, and you got opt-in participation, right? Those are good games, and that creates engagement with the game, you know. And the idea of the incentive to incentivize a, a financial incentive—I think you, you you've read the literature as much as I have about yeah, right. how much oh, financial incentive actually the greatest performance. Yeah, um, but I think if I, if I go to an abstract, right, um, the the competitive element. Well, what matters, how are we competing in the market, right? Are we as a whole, as a whole on, are we competing well in the market? Are we achieving market success for, for the people we care about? Well, because if we are individually competing against one another for status within this, I want to raise this level so I can control other people so that da, 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 that all gets in the way of competing out there right so but that doesn't mean that that people don't have conflict that doesn't mean that there isn't some kind of authority dynamic happening in in any organization but i i think that what 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 rankles me a little bit is is the individual competitiveness and that that is a sense of of othering that is i'm better than you i win you lose and that's Man, you know, the, I don't know what, what your favorite musical artist is or anything. So who's your favorite mu- musical artist? Do you have one? Great question. Uh, as or an individual or, artist. Or, or style or band, for example. Um, well, I suppose if I'm going to classical music, it would be Bach is, is my favorite to listen to. If I was going to like <laughs> pop music, it would be, uh, I don't know, uh, the Stone Roses of British indie band, right? Oh, sort of I don't, I don't know who they are, but um, okay. So I'll go with Bach, right? So is there, yeah. uh, if you are, if you have, well, again, if it's a, a organ piece, so it's in a piece of group work, right? In in a um, uh, Brandenburg Concertos, for example, mm. you know, is there competition among the players in in the orchestra? Right. I mean. Maybe a sense of mastery in each section, yeah, right? Yeah, so you, yeah. you have someone who plays the best because they practice the most, and and if they're a, a decent human being, they give respect to the folks who aren't else in in the section because the section we are performing as a section, the first violin part, mm. and we as first violins are performing in concert in harmony with the second violins and with the cellos and with the violas, you know, and. That competition, that's that's outside of the performance. So the performance is happening with this. We are making the art. And by making the art, we are creating the joy. The people love the art and you know, this stuff. So the competitive element, in, in my way of, of wanting to, to advocate for it, the com- competition can happen in the market. That's, that's where that value creation dynamic is. But keep that out of the internal individual pieces of the organization. 
to it just I mean there's a lot of work Alfie Cone is is kind of the um I forget the name of the paper but it's it's the it, it totally tears down the idea of individual rewards right you know and yeah so that's where I come down on competition. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, the, the first violins are not competing to win the Bach Brandenburg concerto. Yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get it. You know, oh, yay. I came in first. I'm the first violin. We, you know, <laughs> you know, it doesn't happen. Um, I'm, how, so how does that land with you? I mean, does that, yeah, no, does that, 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 that sound like yeah, crazy? I don't know exactly how to, yeah, you know, just to be sort of own that reflection on you know, a past conversation uh, regarding Twitter. I don't know if it was strictly as a competition. Okay, there are only three ideas and yeah. we're going to vote on the best three. But my sense was yeah. there was some sort of selection. I mean, maybe it wasn't. Maybe just yeah. all of the ideas got taken forward um, and there was no oh. competition. But my, you know, my vague recollection was that it was like that. And certainly a lot of events are set up that way, right? Where you say, okay, yeah. we'll take the top X ideas and, and, and put resources um, but it's, it's interesting to hear that reflection that, you know, that may not, yeah, that may be antithetical to what we're talking about. Yeah. Well, again, it's, I, I say it's not about the, the people in who are playing that game or who have designed that game. Mm-hmm. Not, not everyone has the information everyone else has. I don't have the information that that person has. I don't have the same goals that you know, Twitter or, uh, or X or Facebook yeah. or, General Motors or, you know, you know, La Rosa's Pizza Parlor in Cincinnati, Ohio. I mean, so the, the, the topic of competition and competitiveness is it's a very interesting one. And well, yeah, and especially when the roots of the world, my understanding of the, the ultimate root of the word competition is striving together, right? So the, the co in competition <laughs> is actually has the sense of being together and working together. Sp- in sportsmanship. You know, you think about that. What what is a good sportsmanship? And you know, and and when when a a coach or a holder of the space, you know, kind of that that's that facilitator, um, that that they embody good sportsmanship. And you shake hands at the end of the game, or you know, and then again, the football traditions I think maybe are a little different <laughs> in in uh, in the uh, the real football tradition. Um, exactly, but there's a that right. sports real football, but. But there is a sense of sportsmanship, and, and I think that's maybe there's there's an ethical, moral thing of good versus evil, right? What does it mean to be a good sportsman? Good. What does good mean? Um. So yeah, I, I, I don't know. And like, um, so from a sports perspective, my I have a couple of favorite coaches. Uh, sports. First one is Phil Jackson, of course, as, as totally being this. Zen guy who who created the conditions for these masterful players to just excel beyond. And who's that for no. people not familiar with Phil Jackson? Uh, Phil Jackson coached uh, Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls for several years to their six championships and basketball, professional U.S. professional basketball, um, and then also coached uh, the Los Angeles Lakers uh, two three championships, basketball championships. Again, people will argue that oh my god, you had Michael Jordan. Great basketball, greatest of all time, and Kobe Bryant, another greatest of all time. But it is, and here, here's the the thing: before Phil Jackson came to coach the Chicago Bulls, Michael Jordan did not win a championship; he lost 
he 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 did not make it to the NBA championships until Phil Jackson came. And why was that? Mm. You know, what what was the secret sauce that he bring? What was the spirit? What was the what were the rules of the game that he brought from how was who was he being mm-hmm. and not controlling in that way? So who are we being in these places where we are that and how does the system respond to that? So, yeah, that's interesting. I was also thinking about you know rules of the game as a way of thinking about organizational effectiveness. Or yeah, it's it, those two questions: Who am I being as the leader, and what what's the game I'm setting up for people to play? Yeah, yeah. yeah. In, the, in those metaphors again. If you're talking with with someone who's highly authorized and, and they're willing to sit with you with that metaphor and and explore that with you, I think that's that's a great place for possibility. Like, okay, so what game are you playing? You know, and what does that look like? You know, I I, I say what music are you playing, but it could be what is your group performance metaphor? Is it is it sports? Is it acting? Is it music? Is it, um, is it, is it a restaurant? Is it cooking in a restaurant? You know, power yeah. metaphor. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And I'm thinking just practically that if, if, if we've whetted people's appetites and they're like, okay, um, <laughs> I'm going to try it. An hour and 13 minutes of wetting appetite. I, uh, I got to see if I can, uh, you know, make work in my organization uh i suppose my first question is where has it not gone for so well for you and what did you learn uh and then secondly like what would be your your top tips mm. when did it not go well I think for me, when I took it too seriously as a facilitator, and I, I um, in an event, I, I'm thinking of, I just, it was almost like I prepared too much. You know, there's a sense of, uh, of another great facilitator, Francis Laleman, then taught me and his partner, Charles-Louis uh, Demer, this idea of, Hodo hodo, just enough design, right? Okay. And then if you if you design too much of the facilitation, you're gonna shut stuff down, right? So I'm in. I wanted to say too much. I chewed too much of the space, and um, and it just and people didn't. People, I lost people. You know, my facilitation closed the space. And, and it, I know it's, it's kind of woo-woo to talk about closing and opening space, but when that, that it, it shut down the, the capacity for dialogue, for creativity to happen. That it was just, oh, God, what's he, what's he talking about? What, what, this guy's lamp, blah, blah, blah for 20, 25 minutes about, I don't know what. Yeah, I can imagine that second. And then the marketplace didn't get filled. The bulletin board was empty. And the sessions were, were flaccid. This, they, they weren't, and nothing was produced. So, and I took it pretty hard. I, I got some support afterwards, some guidance, but, 
Um, so that that ends up as a when it didn't go well is if you're, if you're trying to exert too much control in the process. I would I would say that the the tips for success. The hardest part, the hard part of this is all the work leading up to the event. And then not just the preparation for the logistics of the event, but it is really having the heart and spirit of the sponsor. And that, that having a relationship, this kind of trusted advisor stance that you take as if, if you are going to be brought into facilitate and help guide an organization through an open space cycle, open space agility or open space beta, whatever, that it is so important to have a, 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 yeah, again, a deep, deep, a committed trusting relationship with sponsorship before the event, because if you go in and there's any, any disturbance in the force, it's going to, it's going to shatter, you know? Um, yeah. And, and don't be so hard on yourself as a facilitator <laughs> that, that it's, if you, again, trust, trust in yourself and right. don't, yeah. And this kind of goes in. If, if you, if you try and design too much, you know, you'll be designing a house of cards. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Brilliant. Well, uh, thank you, Ryan. Uh, I've absolutely loved this. I see we've got a comment from a listener here. Jamie Thomas says, uh, this is a wonderful conversation. So there we go. Our marketplace is giving us some good signals right now. Uh, thank uh, you, Jamie. Yes. Uh, all right. So uh, for people who want to learn more about open space and mm -hmm. beta codex, which you mentioned, where mm -hmm. would you send it? Well, uh, for open space, uh, the osius.org, uh, the Open Space Institute, the U.S., that's where you can get in touch with um, myself and the other board members uh, and know what's going on here in the open space community. We're going to be having our annual Peace and High Performance event in January. That will be on Martin Luther King Day weekend. Um, forget the dates. In, it will be a global event online. Over the course of, I think, 36 hours, we're doing it, but that's our next huge event. Um, Open Space Institute, um, betacodex.org, if you want to know uh, more about the principles of the Beta Codex. And uh, my site, um, ryanerickson.com, if you want to get in touch with me, or uh, dot dot card slash Ryan. Get in touch with me anyway. Telegram, Calendly, book time with me. I love to speak with with people who want to talk to me. Um, let's see. OSIUS, betacodex.org, um, red42.com. I'm giving you all of it. Our red, um, uh, F-O-R-T-Y, number2.com. Okay. Um, consulting. So there are different ways to go and get in touch with me, and I'm, I'm happy to play with with. Whoever wants to jump into open space with a shameless purple squirrel. <laughs> you are the shameless purple squirrel. <laughs> Definitely the purple first, person. First, 
first squirrel uh, on the podcast. It's uh, and, and for sure the first purple one. So, yeah, uh, I hope you're um, building up a good stash of nuts for the winter. Yeah, um, coffee beans, coffee beans. <laughs> you have some coffee there too. I, I hope. I do. I do. Uh, yeah, just, just finished mine. Um, brilliant. Well, I'll let, I'll let you let you go and do some uh, some burying mm. of um, you know high high calorie snacks. Oh no! Well, that would have been done, right? I guess when, when did people <laughs> stop doing their burying, and when did they start digging? I'm not sure. Oh, I I only know I only know the uh, the anthropomorphic squirrel. Uh, that me, yeah, I only know my own <laughs> habits. <laughs> um, Cheers, my friend. No, I can't. I can't leave us that now. Now you've now you've piqued my interest. So where does where does the purple squirrel come from? Come on! Oh my gosh! Oh, where's the purple squirrel come from? Oh, it's um, it, it came about from uh, when I was leaving IBM. I had no idea how to describe what it was that I did or what value I was giving to the universe. Although I knew it was IBM was getting paid a hell of a lot of money for my time, uh, and so I wanted to capture a bit more of that. Uh, value, but I didn't know how to articulate it. So I, I got in touch with a recruiter who I'd come to know through agile circles. We went to coffee. I said, I'm going to turn my resume face down. Uh, we're going to talk for however long it takes to talk for you to know me, me to know you, and you kind of figure out, you know, how can I live in this market? And so I'm going to go get some coffee. You'll turn the resume up. You'll take a look. I'll come back, give you coffee. And voila, you'll tell me the, the magical you know, who, who am I? What do I do? And he does that. He looks at the resume and looks at me and he says, you're a purple squirrel. Like what on earth are you talking about? So that, that actually is a term that recruiters use when they are looking for someone who they have no idea how they're going to find. Like they're, you've got brown squirrels all over the place. You try and find a purple squirrel. And it's like, oh my God, it's just trying try to find a purple squirrel. And, but boy, when you find one, aren't you happy? You know, so, and it's like, all right, well, I love that. And think about the squirrels in the world. There's purple squirrels, one and however many, we're all kind of, we're all purple squirrels. If you think about it. But, but I think about that. Oh my gosh. Finding the others, you know, and mm. I, I'm, I want to just, I want to own that. And I, I wanted to help people, you know, find their own purple, you know, whether it's being a orange tiger or a blue dolphin or, 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 um, you know, what have you, a, a flying softball into the, into the marshland of, you know, Transylvania, I mean, whatever. Um, yeah. So that's where purple squirrel comes from. It's a recruiting term used to define folks that are difficult to define. Brilliant. I'm so glad I asked the question. And I've now uh, certainly increased my um, my knowledge of recruiting <laughs> vernacular <laughs> substantially. So well, uh, you are you are definitely a purple squirrel, Richard. So oh well, thank you. I'm going to take that as a huge compliment. Um, fantastic. All right. Well, thanks once again, Ryan. Um, this has been awesome. I've just inspired a few people out there to check out her open space beta codex. Bring some more love and connection into their into their world, into their organization. Peace, love, and music, man. Exactly. All right. 
Thanks once again. This has been fantastic. Thank you. The Being Human podcast was brought to you by First Human. For more on First Human's human-focused coaching and leadership programs, head to firsthuman.com.